We're not impacting the city if we do that. We're not impacting uh, the kingdom um, if we do that. So get involved in that. If you have an idea of something that we can do to help the less fortunate, um, yeah, that, that um, quote that, that Walker gave us last week has been in my head all week, that the shoes rotting in your closet belong to the man who has none. Because, quite frankly, I've got a lot of shoes in my closet. You know? I mean, we can think about it on a worldwide scale and think, oh, all the people without shoes. No, start with your closet and the shoes in your closet because you can make a difference. Oh, I can't do much for something. You can make sure that somebody this winter has a pair of shoes on their feet. You can do that. You can't give everybody, you can't feed everybody, but you can feed somebody. Amen? And River Church, we can't feed the world, and we can't clothe the world, but we might be able to make a dent in this city. And that's what I hope and I pray that we do. Amen? That's what God has called us to do. Yes, amen. Amen. God is good. Well, as you know, we're going through the book of James. We've, we've dedicated six weeks to the book of James. And this week, I, um, my topic is I'm preaching on humility. Let me just say I'm not preaching from a place of strength. <laughs> Amen? Uh, humility. So, so I just want to give you a disclaimer. Um, you know, there are some times where I feel like when I'm preaching a message, I might be coming from a place of strength or a place of knowledge. But this is a place that I feel that we all struggle, humility. And I specifically feel that I struggle with humility. Now, well, before we go much further, let's just read what James says in James 4. It's up on the screen. And he gives grace generously... As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. A lot of us can't get the devil to leave us alone because we won't resist him. Oh, pastor, I struggle with this sin. I struggle with that sin. Try resisting one time. <laughs> one time. Say no to yourself. All right, that's not the message today, though. <laughs> Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray in these next few moments as we look into your word, God, that we would begin to see how it is that you want us to walk. God, help me, Lord, as I, as I try to present this. God, uh, give, me the, give me the right words to say, the right way to say it. God, I pray that it would speak to someone's heart today. God, that, that we would be drawn closer to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, too, before I get going, wanted to say how thankful I am that the blue trailer is gone. Uh, I got I to pick, somebody text me a picture this week, and it was a trailer of, or a picture of nothing, 
and, but it was where the trailer was sitting. I'm driving my UPS truck and I start crying because I'm like, this can't really be happening. And then I drove up here that night when I got off work and I walked around and I would like turn my back to it and I'd turn around to see if it was really gone. I just knew it was going to come back. Still, every time I look, I'm like, is it really gone? Now, it may not be that big of a deal to you, but like to me, it's like Moses, the Red Sea parting, Jesus walking on water, and the trailer being removed. <laughs> they're pretty close. They're, they're pretty close. So let me say thank you to all of you who helped, uh, helped us do that. That was so awesome. I appreciate everybody who worked so hard. Um, and I appreciate everybody who put your body in harm's way. And several of you are still suffering because of it. I do really appreciate everything everybody did to help us get there. Uh, but we're going to continue to look at the book of James, and, and we're going to talk about humility. And we will not say everything today that there is to say about humility. Um, because there's just a lot to say. Uh, what is humility? Here's a, here's a definition. It's a modest or low view of one's own importance. A modest or low view of one's own importance, not of oneself, because there is a false humility that will be very self-deprecating, right? There is a false humility that will, and this is something I'm guilty of, I use it as humor sometimes, um, you know, occasionally I'll get a little overweight, and so then, so I'll make jokes about that, like I'm doing right now, about being chubby or whatever, because I want to beat you to the punch, right? Because it's a false sense of humility, because I'm going, to, I'm going to go ahead and take away all your ammunition, so now the only thing left about me is the good stuff. Right? Have you ever done that about, with yourself? You're, you've been self-deprecating. You've talked about your faults and stuff. Basically, you're disarming everyone else. And we think that it's humility, but it's false humility. Humility is not walking around acting like Eeyore. Has anybody ever seen Winnie the Pooh? Does everybody remember Eeyore? Thanks for noticing me. I was just walking around. I didn't think anybody want to come see me. That's, that's, that's false humility. That's, that's, because Jesus was a humble person, right? Scripture tells us Jesus was humble, but Jesus was pretty sure of himself. Humility is being honest with yourself and knowing who you are in Christ. And when you have that, I'm getting way ahead of myself. That was like, that's my finishing crescendo. But when you have that, then you can put others before you. When you actually understand who you are and where you fit into the things, you can actually put others before you. Humility is not, uh, let me tell you some things humility is not. Humility isn't putting yourself down, but it's lifting others up. C.S. Lewis said, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So I want, to, I want to rid your mind of thinking that being humble means you have to constantly be putting yourself down, because that is not being humble. That is not humility. Humility is not self-hatred. Now, I, I know these things do exist. In people, there are people who struggle with these things, and I'm not trying to dismiss that, but I'm saying that is not true humility. Humility is understanding who you are in Christ and being confident in that, and understanding that your purpose is not all about you. 
True humility can only come when we find our identity in Christ. False humility pretends to be humble, but really knows we deserve the praise. If somebody were to come up to you and say, boy, your kids are great kids. You're doing such a great job as a parent. And you might say, oh, <laughs> no. It's, but on the inside, you're thinking, yeah, I actually did a pretty good You know, that's false humility. Because you're, oh, you're deflecting. Oh, no, no, no. But then you're really saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Keep talking. I like the way you're talking. So there is a false humility that we just need to recognize. I just want to bring that before your eyes. That, that, that just because, or, or humility is not downplaying yourself. It is not degrading yourself. Humility is knowing who you are and accepting it. But then understanding that you're, you are who you are, not for your own purposes, but for the purpose of neighbor, for the purpose of other. Amen? Um, not being able to take a compliment is a bit of false humility. Remember, it's not about putting yourself down, but it's about lifting others up. Most of us have experience with false humility. Most of us, most of us have been falsely humble. There, I was thinking, how am I going to say that? Most of us have been falsely humble at one time or another. Uh, but that's not humility. Putting yourself down, downplaying yourself, downplaying your role is not true humility, but it's false humility. I want to look at a couple of examples, and I, I promise this won't. What time is it? 1048. Uh, promise I'm not going to try to keep you too long today. <clears throat> I heard one groan. <laughs> so I'm going to dismiss everybody else early, and then the person who groaned is going to have to stay. <laughs> I'm just kidding, because it was my father that groaned. <laughs> and he would take me to the woodshed, so. Our first example is found in the Gospel of Luke in the first chapter. The first example, I want to show you, an, I think, an example of false humility and true humility. And both can be found in the first chapter of the book of Luke. I'm going to paraphrase it for you. The angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad. And he says, look, this is what's going to happen. You're old, your wife's old, but you guys are going to have a baby. And Zechariah is a priest, and he's in the temple when God appears to him, and he's like, uh, prove it. I'm old, she's old, this ain't happening. I'm going to need some proof. And Gabriel says, I'm Gabriel, the archangel. I stand in the presence of God, and I'm here talking to you right now, and you're like, prove it. And the angel said, you're not going to be able to speak for a while. And then fast forward, you're, we're in the same chapter. The same angel appears to Mary and says, listen, you're going to have a baby. He's going to be king of kings, lord of lords. And she's like, how's this going to happen? She doesn't say prove it. And she doesn't start making, doesn't start making excuses for herself. For herself. Somebody needs to teach me how to talk. She doesn't make excuses for herself. She herself. She's honest with who she is. She's like, hey, I, I, how's this going to happen? Because it's biologically impossible for me to get pregnant right now. I can't be pregnant. How's this going to happen? She doesn't, tell, she doesn't test the angel. She doesn't tell him to prove it. 
and she's not so concerned with herself. She's honest with her situation. She's like, I don't know how this is going to happen, but tell me, how's this going to happen? Where, where Zechariah is like, oh, I'm old. She's old. What are you going to do to prove this to me? That was Zechariah's response. The, the responses are, on the surface don't seem that different. But Mary's was out of a sense of wonder. God, how are you going to do this? And Zechariah was like, you're going to have to prove it to me because I'm too old. They seem very similar, but one is false humility, I believe. And Mary's is humility. Mary humbled herself. And then what does she say? She's like, be it unto me. Whatever, God, you want to do with me, I'm in. She understands that it's not all about her. She's honest with who she is and where she is. But then she's like, God, bring it on. In today's vernacular, she would, like the young kids like to say, let's go! <laughs> right? You watch football teams and basketball teams, they get excited, let's go! Let's go! God, the angel appears to Mary, like, look, this is what's going to happen. She's like, let's go! <laughs> you never thought you'd see Mary that way, did you? <laughs> you know, Protestants, we kind of give Mary a bad rap. Mary was highly favored of God. She was chosen of God to carry God. She was highly favored. And she said, she was humble. And she said, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm open for it. And that's humility. God, I don't know what you're going to do, how you can do it, but God, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And, and the first guy, the angel shut his mouth. And then with Mary, God gives her a song. How we respond to God shows our humility. God, I'm here for it. God, I don't, I don't know how you're going to do it. This is, I'm going to be honest, God, this is, this is the situation that I'm in. But whatever you have for me, I'm open for it. And that's, that's how Mary was, and that's how we have to respond to God. So the first thing I want to say about humility is that humility is honest with itself. We're, we have to be honest with ourselves. We have, to be hum, we, ha, we have to humbly view ourselves. There's a scripture, it's in Galatians, and I'm going to read it. It says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. And then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your life. Be very sure now you have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth, working in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Galatians 6, 4 through 8. Humility begins with being honest about yourself, with being honest with who you really are. Our society, and unfortunately it spills over into the church, we like to put on a show. 
We like to pretend that we're something that we're not. Right? That's why everybody's always buying bigger cars, faster cars, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Everybody's going broke. Hardly anybody can make their mortgage payment. But the car in the driveway looks good. Right? Until it gets repoed. You know, we're, we're constantly trying to put forth, forth this image that we really aren't. True humility begins with being honest with who we are. It is not self-deprecation, but an honest assessment of ourselves. We need to see ourselves as Christ see, sees us. We are to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. Humble ourselves. We are to be humble in the sight of the Lord. Again, not by putting ourselves down, but being honest with who we are. When you come up for prayer, when you go to God in prayer, you're saying, God, you're honest. God, I can't do this. I can't handle this. God, I need your help. God, I need you. That's humility. True humility understands that you are not God, that you are not in control of everything in your world. In AA meetings, they recognize that they are not God. They, one characteristic of an, I was reading, uh, one characteristic of an alcoholic is that they insist that they're in control when in reality, they are controlled. But that doesn't, that's not just an addiction. That's, that's sometimes us. Uh, one person said the only difference between God and us is that God doesn't think he's us. We think we're God sometimes, right? True humility is being honest with yourself in an honest assessment through the eyes of God. True humility is understanding that we are not in control. That we are not God. We are not in control. Think about most of the, the, the sources of frustration in your life. What do they come from? They come from things that you think you should have control over, but you don't. You're in traffic, right? Somebody's had, ran a red light in front of you, hit the car. All of a sudden now, you're going to be late because they're morons. I left on time and now I'm going to be late. Your kids act up in Walmart, embarrass you in front of everybody. You want everybody to think that you've got it all together. You want everybody to think that you've got it all in control. But your kid is climbing the, on the top row of the ball cage, tipping it over, knocking over the Frito-Lay display. I'm not saying I'm speaking from experience, but I might be. We like to be in control. Humility is understanding that I'm not in control. I'm not the number one in charge. We sometimes think that we are God. Wasn't that the temptation to Eve? You'll be like God. And it seems, we read it in, uh, it seems like uh, James is referencing that when he says, resist the devil and he'll flee. Eve didn't resist the temptation to take control of her own life. We have to submit ourselves to the hand of God. We have to submit our will to the will of God. That's what true humility is. Again, I'm not speaking from a place of uh, expertise. I'm speaking of a place of desire. This is where I want to go. This is what I'm trying to do. This is the life I'm trying to live. I'm trying to submit myself to God. I'm trying to give control, complete 
total control of myself to God. And that's what we're all trying to do. So I gave you a a couple of uh, reference points where I think one was false humility, one was true humility. Zachariah, I believe, had false humility. I believe that Mary had true humility and was blessed of God. God gave her a song. Um, and then I began to think about, uh, well, I'll just tell you, this, this, on Friday night, one of my good friends turned 50. And uh, he's much, much, much older than I am. <laughs> much older. Um, but he had a birthday party, and, and Sally and I drove down to, to uh, Olathe to go to the birthday party. Again, he's turning 50. I'm much younger. It's just... Um, see, there's my false humility. <laughs> Taken away, because you're all looking at my gray hair thinking, oh, man, he's old. He's got to be 50-plus. But uh, forgive me, Lord, for that. Anyway... I went down to his birthday party and I was talking to him and I ran into someone I hadn't seen for quite a while. Um, a lot of you know her. her she used to be Holly Tracy. Um, now I think her last name is Robertson, possibly. Um, but anyway, her and I got to talking. Uh, her and I and Sally and I and her husband got to talking. And she started talking about uh, Marilyn Tracy, who was her stepmom. And I, it was just a fascinating conversation. And then uh, someone else who was at the party came over and started talking um, at the birthday party, came over and started talking. Um, his name's Jimmy. Some of you might know him, too. And we just were all standing around talking, and, and Holly was talking about Marilyn Tracy and how, how she so affected her life and how she still is affecting her life and how that the humility displayed by Marilyn... In, in certain situations, things I had never heard about, things I didn't know about, but, but as Holly began to tell like some of the stories of her childhood, and, and then she would go back to, but Marilyn would just pray about it. Marilyn, she didn't handle it how I had seen it handled before. She would pray about it, and then eventually God would work. And God would change the situation. And she started talking about how that now, because of, of Marilyn's influence on her life, she is now a, a, a true believer, and how that her um, sister is as well, and how that her real, Marilyn was her stepmom, and how her real mother has come to a, a belief in Jesus Christ all through the example of the humble servant, Marilyn Tracy. And it was just fascinating. And then, and then the other guy that came and joined the conversation, he started telling stories too about you know, how when he was a kid, he didn't have all his life figured out and all together, and Marilyn took him in and took them in, and how he's now serving God, and his daughter is now involved in ministry. And I just began to think about a life you never know who you're going to touch through the humble life that you lived. Marilyn never preached a sermon in this church. She, she was a faithful member of this church, but she didn't preach a sermon. But even long after she is gone, her life is continuing to preach message after message of the goodness of God. And that's just one example of one humble servant. And, and you know, I, I don't, I don't want to tell all the details of the stories they told, but in the situations, had Marilyn not had humility and handled the things differently, then who knows where the people would be today. 
you know, if their life would be affected today. So I just wanted to bring it close to home for some of you. Some of you, many, many of you remember Marilyn. She was our piano player for a long time. We had a baby grand up here. She would pound those keys and she'd sometimes get to hooping and hollering. I was just fascinated by that, those, those stories. And, and as I was driving home, I was talking to Sally, and I was like, it's like, man, you just never know what God is going to use and how God's going to work. Marilyn was a humble servant of God who gave of her time in the food. She started a food bank for many years. That was the, one of the first things we did with that trailer. After we weren't using it for classrooms anymore, it became a food bank, and once a month, the needy would come and get groceries. How we handle the situations that life gives us, if we handle them humbly, God can use them. Situations that Marilyn found herself in many different times, she handled them in a humble manner. Just, just the ones that I heard about this weekend, she handled them in a humble manner, and God used them and brought about salvation to others through them. Humility is living in the truth about ourselves and understanding that one of the truths is that I am not God, I am not the sinner. Everything is not about my needs. Everything is not about me. We aren't in control. We aren't in control, and, and, and sometimes we struggle with that. How well do you handle criticism? How well do you handle critique? How well do you handle correction? If we're all honest, probably most of us don't handle that very well. Right? I mean, we can all be honest. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I won't be able to see the back of the room. <laughs> if we're all honest, my hand's the first to go up. We don't handle correction well. We don't handle criticism well. And it's because it steals from our sense of control. We like to be in control. What is your frustration tolerance? How easily do you get frustrated? Again, don't, I don't want to make, make contact, eye contact with anybody. Don't raise your hand, because that's everybody. But someone who is walking humbly before the, before the Lord is not going to be led around by their emotions all the time. Yeah, but you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what they said about me. You don't understand. They tagged me in a Facebook post. And then they said all these horrible things about me. I don't know why I harp on Facebook so much. I mean, I tried to get all of you to bring your phones up and get them saved and get your Facebook saved and get it baptized. I just, I go back to Jesus. Jesus was man, he walked humbly before God. And how did he handle Things that should have upset him. I'm going to read Philippians 2, 1 through 2. Or I'm sorry, I'm going to read 2, uh, 1 through 11. I think I've got, yeah, there we go. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? 
Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to... I could read this verse every day. Don't try to impress others. I'm going to reread those two lines. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Again, being humble is not putting yourself down and totally forgetting about your interests. Paul tells us, look out for others' interests as well. Take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that, the name of, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Jesus lived the life of humility. Jesus was someone, if anyone could have been um, arrogant, it was Jesus. Right? If anybody could have walked around with an arrogant attitude, it would have been Jesus. He truly was a know-it-all. He knew it all. He was God. He knew it all. But he was humble. I've heard it said of God before, you know, God has a learning problem. He's incapable of learning anything because he knows everything. And Jesus was God in the flesh, right? That's what the scriptures tell us. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. We ran in, read in John 8 this past week that Jesus said before, in Bible study, we read in John 8, before Jesus, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And what he was saying there was, I'm the same guy who told Moses, who appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Remember? Moses said, who should we say? Uh, or Moses said to the burning bush, who should I tell them is sending me? He said, tell them I am sent you. Then Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus was declaring that he was the first and the last. Jesus was God. He knew it all. But he spends his last supper telling his disciples all the thing he's going to do as God, right? So he wasn't putting himself down. He had a, he had a proper view of himself and his place. He didn't degrade himself, but he still put others first. Jesus is our example of humility, understanding who we are, being honest with who we are. Don't walk around saying you're God's son. Don't walk around calling yourself I am, but be honest with who you are and the mission that God has given you. I read that to you from Galatians. But you still put others above you, put others' needs above yours. What did he do at the Last Supper? He told them, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to build something for you that no one else can do. I'm going to prepare a place for you. But then he took on the role of a servant, and he humbled himself and washed their feet. And he served them, right? That's what humility is. It's, it's being honest with who you are and what you are, and being honest with 
who you are in Christ. I'm not breaking any new ground here this morning. I'm not, I'm not giving you anything you already don't know. You are someone in Christ. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. I don't care who has told you in your past that you were an accident or that you were a mistake. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. God has a purpose for you. God loves you. If you're breathing right now, you have purpose. God has a plan for your life. You aren't an accident. You aren't a mistake. Don't focus on the things you cannot do. To be someone who is truly humble. Now, I understand that there are people who struggle with things that I'm talking about. And that's not all going to be fixed today. There are people you need to talk to. There are things you need to do about that. If you struggle with self-worth, if you struggle with, with things that have happened to you in your past, I understand that, and I am not dismissing that. But that is not humility. That is not where humility is found. Humility is found in understanding who you are in Christ. God has purpose for you. You are special to God. God has created you on purpose. Jesus knew who he was. He knew what his mission was. But he still put the needs of others before him. He entrusted himself. Even when they were mean and cruel to him, he didn't lash out. It's a sign of humility. How do you respond when people aren't nice to you? Again, I don't want to make eye contact with anybody. Because I have seen most of your Facebook. If someone's not nice to you, how do you respond? In that moment, how do you respond? Not six hours later, oh, I better say I'm sorry. That's how us men are. We're so ignorant. We don't, most of the time, we don't get it. We don't even get what we've done. And then we're like, oh, it must have been that that I said. Or it must have been, I wonder what it was. Wish I had a recording of everything stupid I've said. I'm getting off trail. How do you respond in the moment when someone's cruel to you or someone's mean to you? How do you respond right then? 1 Peter 2, 22 through 25 says this, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, and here's the key, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. We need to die to our sins. Pride is a sin. Thinking that you are in control or should be in control is a sin. Thinking that your ideas and your needs are the most important is a sin. I'm going to say that again. Thinking that your ideas and your needs are most important is a sin. Thinking that your ideas and that your needs are most important is a sin. That's pride. 
God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And I've done a really poor job of today, I think, of trying to say what's on my heart or what true humility is. True humility is just elevating someone else's needs above yours. It's not, again, I've, I've said it a million times, it's not putting yourself down, it's just lifting somebody else up. It's bringing in extra shoes that you have for the shoe drive. It's bringing extra coats that you have for the coat drive. It's, it's when you go to the store, it's buying wipes and diapers for the pregnancy resource clinic. It's when you go to a garage sale and you see something that they could use at the YWCA women's shelter. Or, or it's those things. It's putting others before you. And it's not just in those things. It's in your everyday life. It's at home. How I treat my kids. Lots of times I wish that my family couldn't hear my sermons. Because then I got to live them. And if I don't, they call me on it. And they call me on it a lot. Pride is a sin. Thinking that you are in control or that you should be in control. Thinking your ideas and your needs. I know it's the fourth time I said it. Thinking that your ideas and your needs are most important is a sin. Jesus showed us the way. He showed us how to walk humbly. True humility can only be achieved as we find our identity in Christ. As we submit to his will and his ways. His ways of self-sacrifice. His ways of becoming a servant of others. Matthew 23, Jesus says, The greatest among you shall be your servant. Amen? The greatest among you shall be your servant. If when we have work days and we have things going on at this church and there's work to be done, if you don't see Pastor Walker and myself, that's a problem. That's a problem. Because if you want the privilege of standing up here, then you got to put in the dirty work. Amen? I heard one famous preacher, there was a, a lady in his church that went to him and said, Brother, I just feel like overwhelmingly that God has called me to preach. And she's now famous. And he said, that's great. Here's a mop. The bathrooms are filthy. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> stunning. But if you're not willing to do the little things, you don't get to do the big things. Amen? And that's how it should be. The, 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 the person who's among you that thinks he's the greatest should be the least. And I'm not saying that we think we're the greatest because we don't. That's just an example. The greatest among you should be your servant. They asked the disciples and they said, Jesus, who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's going to be the greatest? What do you think his answer was? Can I see uh, one of the, can I see Amelia for a minute? <clears throat> I won't drop her. Come here, baby. Hi, baby. Hi. How you doing? She's got a River Church uh, shirt on. They said to Jesus, who's, good, who's gonna be the greatest in the kingdom? And he went and got a little baby. And he brought the baby into the middle of the crowd. 
He said, unless you change and become like a little baby, you will never see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you change and become like a little... What are you talking about, Jesus? I can't change and become like this little baby who's trying to get the microphone. (laughs) Amelia is dependent upon people. If she eats, sleeps, she's depending on others. She's not in charge. She's not in control. That's why I didn't bring a three-year-old up here. (laughs) Three-year-olds think they're in control. (laughs) She's dependent totally. She's she is in the care of others. She has put herself in the care. And that's what Jesus did. He said he entrusted himself to him who judges rightly. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Then you've got to become like a little child. Be stripped away of all of your power, all of your knowledge, everything that you think that you know, and just come humbly like a baby. Say, God, I don't know anything. God, mold me, shape me, make me in what you want me to be. God, I want to... You, you know, babies have a sense of wonder. Their minds are like sponges. And like the first couple years, then they learn how to talk, and then they just ask a million questions. What's this? What's that? What's this? What's that? And sometimes they don't grow out of it. <laughs> but this is, we've got to become like a little baby. Amen? Amen. Give little Amelia a hand. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a child. You know, in that culture, children, it was better if they were seen and not heard. You remember the disciples were trying to keep the babies away. And Jesus said, hey, 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 no, no. Suffer the little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. And in this particular case, they said, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest? And you know, the people who asked it, they, they were 